Building a career in business development isn't the same as building a career as a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant. In those roles, you know where you're going in your life. You know what schools to go to and where you want to work and what life will probably look like at the end of a successful career. But when you're in a job like business development, well, no one's done the job for a full career. And that makes it really difficult to know where you're going next. On this podcast, we're going to be talking with members of the Fernio BD community about their career journeys, about how they broke in, how they navigated this ambiguously defined path, how they're paving their own road to find success in a career that they love. After the episode, if you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join a community of peers who are all pursuing a similar career journey, join us at Fernio.com. On this episode, our host, Jillian Truby, sat down with Disha Harjani, who now leads product partnerships at Shutterstock, but had to reinvent herself to get here. Take a listen. Great, thanks. So uh, I'm Disha. I am the director of product partnerships at Shutterstock, um, working with companies like Facebook, Google, IBM, Microsoft, um, to integrate our API into their third-party platforms. Great. Well, I know you have an amazing story, and I'm so excited to hear it. So I'll pass it back over to you to share it with everyone else. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. It's kind of surreal to be here just like talking about my story, about how I got into partnerships, because for me, at least, it wasn't that intended, and it was quite fortuitous. Um, It's not something that I ever planned on doing. it does feel sometimes like it happened by chance, mm-hmm. but the more I think about it, the more I realize that it was a product of the decisions that I was making when I was being my most authentic self and, and living my own truth. So a little bit of background. I was born in a small town in India. Uh, on my dad's side, you had the entrepreneurs and the businessmen, and then on my mom's side, you had the artists and school principals and teachers and Uh, lecturers, so more of the creative types, and I always felt like I had the best of both worlds, like the business and entrepreneurial as well as the creative. Um, And then when I was five, um, my dad, who would eventually inherit a part of the family business, decided that he wanted to branch out and like do something of his own. Um, So he found an opportunity in Gambia, West Africa, to run a, a store or a supermarket, essentially, and was like, we're all going to Africa. So we're like, okay, we're, I was five, my sister was like four, um, and uh, we all just up and left uh, for Africa to f- just find better opportunities. Um, and while that was such a fun adventure for us as a family, unfortunately, the education system at the time in Africa wasn't that great. Um, and it just wasn't as sophisticated as my parents wanted for us. So when I was nine years old, just a couple years after we were living there, uh, my parents decided to send me back to an all-girls boarding school in India. And since my parents were still in Africa, I was seeing them once a year. Just travel back and forth from Africa to India just takes forever, and it just wasn't very conducive to see them all the time. And that happened for about six years. Um, and that was the best six years of my life. Um, you're basically at college at the age of nine when you're staying in a, in a boarding school. Um, The school had 800 girls. Um, I was very social, so I just wanted to be friends with everyone, and I wanted to get to know everyone. Um, And it was really there that I learned some of these core principles and had core learning experiences, the importance of 
resilience and always continuing to try um, survival because you're kind of just fending for yourself without your parents to run home to um, and you're constantly self-soothing. Um, I learned the importance of giving up comfort for now so that it could pay off dividends in the future, which is a really weird thing to learn at the age of nine. <clears throat> and and I, I also learned what it's like to be jack of all trades um, because in, in the boarding school, they taught you everything from baking and sewing to cricket, which is traditionally a man's sport in India, or playing the tabla, which is traditionally a man's instrument uh, in India. And I learned at the age of nine that a woman can do anything that a man can do. So I came out of that experience feeling very empowered um, and being like, I can do anything. And then fast forward six years, when I was 15, my parents were like, okay, it's time for us to live like a normal family and not mm-hmm. see each other once a year. So they moved from Africa to the U.S. You know, it's a land of opportunity. Um, and really, that's where we, we wanted to put our roots. Um, so they flew me out here to New Jersey um, to finally be together as a family. And while I was really excited that I would get to live with my parents finally, um, it was also humbling because you're moving from an all-girls boarding school where you've planted your roots um, in India to a public school co-ed in the United States. So I had no idea what I was going to be in for. I didn't know the culture very well, but it was also super exciting. Um, I felt like it was an opportunity to reinvent myself. There were things about me that I didn't like, you know, just growing up at the time, and I wanted to change it. So this was the opportunity to incorporate certain attributes um, and then just start showing up as that person that I always wanted to be. So if I was a shy and demure kid uh, in India, I was going to show up as this like feisty, confident person in America, and nobody would ever know because nobody knew me before. Um, And so this was a moment where I felt like I could hit the reset button on my personality, on my life, and just like start showing up as this person that I always wanted to be. so how did any of this start uh, my career in BD or help my career in BD? Often in the world of BD, you find yourself saying yes to everything. Um, coming here at the age of 15, um, I was saying yes to everything. In high school, I taught myself the American accent by joining the debate club and watching a lot of Saved by the Bell. Um, I joined the choir, the theater, softball, um, just to gain exposure and just to understand culture and make friends. Uh, another time I said yes uh, was in grad school when I was studying full-time but didn't like the idea of not working. So I was there for, I knew I was locked in for two years, but I also wanted to work. Um, so an opportunity came by to own a bar, uh, and it would be me and three other partners. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, all right, I, I know it's not like work, like traditional work, but I really want to do this. And so I said yes, and I said, I'm in. Talk about a crash course in investments, um, how to manage egos, how to manage people, hiring, um, and how to own and manage a business end-to-end. And I enjoyed that ownership so much that I decided that I'll always aim to have that same level of passion and curiosity and ownership anywhere else that I went in any of my jobs. Like I did not want to give that up because I just felt so connected to the work that I was doing. So when I graduated... I got a corporate America job at uh, NBC Universal, great company, 
And I was convinced that that passion was going to carry over. And I was super excited. 30 Rock was my jam at that time. I was in, in love with all the characters uh, of all NBC shows. I was really just excited to, um, to be there. And then I got laid off twice by the same company. So that really sucked. But once again, it felt very similar to the experience of coming to America. It felt like, you know, I needed to step back, reinvent myself, change the things that I didn't like, and then show up as that person that I wanted to be. So I took that time to reassess my skills. Um, and I realized that I really like helping startups. Um, I like them, you know, I, I like to help them with their go to market strategy, small and mid sized businesses that just want to get their strategy off the ground, like local bar, restaurant, you know, hair salons. Um, so I just went door to door and I just asked them, hey, do you need help with your marketing? Do you need help with your websites? Do you, I, I can totally help you. And it's all pro bono. I'll do it for free. Um, and I was really good at that. And it helped me kind of scratch that entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial itch. Um, and that was a lot of fun. Um, why does any of this matter? Um, when you're saying yes to everything, you're going to find that you're never the smartest person in the room. So it's really a time to soak in a lot of things and listen, um, and that's a common thing in, in BD. You're going to spend a lot of time doing things that are outside of your job description. Uh, you're going to spend time creating your own process for things that people never thought about. Um, and some people don't really like this because they like to know exactly what their day-to-day -day is going to look like. Um, but I really do think that it gives you an edge. It makes you take full ownership of an end-to-end -end process, become a better negotiator, and your BS radar is on point because you're constantly meeting new people and you're constantly talking to people and assessing how genuine their motives really are. Um, and I really do believe that so much of business development is anchored in nonverbal soft skills. Um, so that was, uh, that was fun. Um, the one hump that I needed to get over at that point was imposter syndrome. Um, in the earlier stages of your career in BD, there's a, there's a bit of fake it till you make it. Um, and that sometimes leads to questioning whether you belong here, you're amongst experts, like what if you say the wrong thing? And being in tech, I often also found myself negotiating as the only woman uh, in a room full of men. So just kind of makes you think like, am I acting okay? Uh, do I really belong here in this room? And I got over it by doing four things. First, I, I was seeking mentorship. And I've been very lucky to have managers, like bosses, and just mentors in general that have the best intentions for me. So bouncing ideas off of them um, helped me weed out the doubts that I had about myself. So that was first. Um, second was I shed the idea of being perfect and not making mistakes. Oftentimes, uh, I mean, we all have the, you know, the thing that we do where we doubt our capabilities because we feel unprepared to handle it, whether it's like leading a team as a new manager or taking on a project that requires a new skill set. And this really prohibits me or us or you from investing in yourself. Um, so when opportunities came up to take on more responsibilities at work, even though I didn't feel 100% prepared for it, I invited it, I raised my hand, and every single time I did it, it always propelled my career forward. Even if it was like a major mess up, um, I learned as I went, and then two months of doing that project, I was, I was the expert in it, and I could do it over and over and over and iterate on it. 
Um, so I quickly learned that it's not about being perfect. Um, it's about learning as you go. And the perfection really is in the constant improvement. That's a quote from one of my favorite books. Um, the third thing was um, I shed the stereotype about a linear path being the only way to success. Um, my path is certainly not straightforward. I know a lot of people have had linear paths that, and they found a ton of success there, but it's not the only way to find success. Um, I know a lot of people who've achieved success by being curious about getting to the same place but in a different way. Um, so that stereotype, that, that thought I needed to just get out of my head. And lastly, I became very comfortable with change. BD, as you know, is a relatively new field. We're still trying to identify exactly what it is. But being comfortable with a little bit of ambiguity means adopting this mentality that no matter what happens, if you need to pivot, if you get laid off or you get reassigned or there's a major structural change in your organization, that you can use that as a way to reinvent yourself and hopefully parlay that situation into a promotion or some sort of growth, um, whether it's professional or personal. Love it. So good. <laughs> so crazy how many places you've lived in and careers you've had. I mean, owning, fun. <laughs> owning a bar yeah. and being in the corporate world is crazy. Um, so I definitely want to dig into all of that. Um, I have questions, and we can keep it conversational. Um, I'd love to just start with, like, your childhood. Yeah. I think you've lived in a lot of insanely different places, like location, culturally. Like, how have those different cultures just growing up and at different, like, points mm -hmm. in your development, mm -hmm. how has that, like, shaped you today or, like, mm -hmm. maybe even contributed to where you are in your career? I love that question. I've been thinking about that so much, <laughs> especially lately. Sure. Um, living in different places, like India, Africa, we were in London for a little while, I think that it really sharpened my communication skills. And I know that mm -hmm. that's something that we're taught in college. You need to have interpersonal and communication skills, but what does that really mean? It's really the ability to make anyone in, your, in the room with you feel comfortable when they're in the room with you. Mm -hmm, yeah. Being able to relate to someone, understanding their nonverbal cues to be able to pivot and shift your um, mm -hmm. body language to make them feel comfortable so that they would open up to you. And I just think um, moving around uh, from place to place, you know, if you travel a lot, you know that people are the same, like people are different in terms of, you know, location-wise, but their motivations are the same. Mm -hmm. Their fears, their their joys, um, motivations, everything is the same and you just have to kind of tap into that. So yeah. living in different places helped me just think, I guess it's like also empathy, right? Yeah, that's and, a huge one. Yeah, it's like, okay, what's the economic situation in this place that I'm staying in right now? Yeah. Um, what do people care most about? What what are they motivated by? Survival, yeah. we all are. But what does survival mean here? Mm -hmm. And and then really adjusting your communication and adjusting your um, uh, approach to, yeah. to that, which has been so key in partnerships, the, the empathy part. is just like sitting in a room with someone and seeing their walls just crumble down mm -hmm. because you're making them feel so comfortable. Yeah. Empathy is huge. I feel like that's a word that I'm hearing a lot of lately. Mm -hmm. It's like the the key word these days yeah, yeah. because I think in business too we're so 
like straightforward and narrow on what it is that we're trying to get done that we don't always see the holistic like overview. Yeah. We don't know where someone is coming from. Yeah. So tapping into that I think is a really key factor. Yep. Not just in BD and partnerships, but in business in general, in the yeah. world. In the, yep. Um, yep. So that's great. Yep. I love it. Um, you also talked about like being a jack of all trades mm -hmm. growing up. Like that's, you had to like start a bar, you did all of that. I'm curious, owning a bar while you're in grad school, those are like two really big things that you had to take on. Mm -hmm. um, what was that like and how did you manage? That, at that time, seemed like a breeze. Yeah. And it just seemed like so much fun. So school was not very fun. Mm -hmm. um, I went to my classes, and then as soon as my classes were over, I would rush to the bar, which was like an, an hour drive mm -hmm. away, and then like work all night, um, and then do the same thing the next day. So it was exhausting, mm -hmm. but it was also really exciting. I believed in it so much, and it was, it was a part of me, mm -hmm. and I, I got to, I think like the best part was seeing the gratification and seeing um, the place exude parts of me was mm -hmm. kind of nice. Um, yeah. that I got to have a lot of input in the operations, in the design, in <clears throat> the hospitality portion mm -hmm. of it, the entertainment portion of it. So it was just really yeah. exciting. Yeah, that's amazing. My parents own a restaurant, so I know what it's like. Wow. And it's <laughs> a lot of work, though. Yeah, it's you have no to be easy there. feat. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. Service-based industry in general, right? Like, you just have to be there for it to be a success. Yeah. yeah. No, you can't, especially if you're an owner, like, mm -hmm. you, that's really hard to put the onus on someone yes. else. Um, I'm going to just go back a little bit, because mm -hmm. you talked about being in an all-girls school mm -hmm. for quite a while, yeah. and then transitioning to a co-ed. Yeah. How has that, like, given you a perspective about maybe women in business or just like women in general in yeah. this world? I have so much to say on that. Yeah. Um, I'll say, I'll, I'll tell you one story. I remember not knowing how to talk to boys mm. and I just <laughs> did not know, like not just because I, I'm a, I was a girl, but like being in an all girls boarding school, we were always separated from yeah. the boys, you know, didn't really know their motives, didn't really know how they acted, were they like us, were they, mm -hmm. you know, what are their intentions, like all those things. Uh, and so joining a co-ed um, public school here was kind of a culture shock. Especially coming to America. Yeah, already a culture yeah. shock. <laughs> and then, and then like, um, then, whoa, boys. Um, but because I had played a lot of sports and I was oh, kind yeah. of a tomboy, I, I felt more and more comfortable. But the, my my favorite story, uh, I, I just remember being so scared to even enter the cafeteria because I was um, intimidated by mm -hmm. the hustle and bustle in the cafe mm -hmm. um, or in the cafeteria. There's a lot of noise. There's like trays. People are already in clicks, you know, yeah. when they're sitting down. And for two days, I would just peek in, peek out, peek in, peek out, and then just like hang out outside um, until this really nice boy yeah. came up and said, do you want to come and sit down here? So nice. And I, I think about that a lot because, you know, since then, obviously, I've come a long way. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think about how women are trying to break stereotypes and break the glass ceiling, but how much of that is uh, anchored in men being supportive, too. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's not women versus men. Um, mm -hmm. It's not us against them. It's like we, we need to band together. We need to do this with men. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been very lucky to have male bosses yeah. that have really championed for me. Yeah. So 
in a way, like, what seemed to be very unnerving ended up, like, oh, talking to boys or, like, yeah. you know, um, ended up being, like, very cool because the boys that have had faith in me and see my progression mm-hmm. um, have encouraged me to also level up. Yeah. They make a seat for you at the table. Yeah, I love exactly. That. No, I do. I think it's really important for men to be a part of the conversation and be supportive mm-hmm. and be included. That's why with this women's group in Fernio, it's mm-hmm. like I want men to be a part of the conversation yeah. and be involved because um, I think their perspective is important too. Yes, yes. That's really, really interesting that you went from being scared to like being full champion and mm-hmm. having them champion you, which is yeah. great. Um. Cool. I'm going to dive into career stuff now in Mm -hmm. the BD partnerships world. Um, We kind of talked about this a little bit offline, but you talk about saying yes a lot. Mm -hmm. And I had asked you, has there ever been a moment where you felt like saying yes was a mistake? Mm -hmm. But you said you typically don't take on say yes moments unless you feel fully prepared. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious because I think like, it takes a lot for women to get prepared to do those things yeah. and feel ready, like we're ready to take on something. Yeah. And so I'm curious, like, what do you do to get prepared or get to that point where you're like, okay, I know I can handle this. Whereas, like, maybe there are situations where you're halfway prepared, but yeah. you might not take it on. Yeah. Um, my method of getting prepared may not be the best method <laughs> because it's really like I say yes first. Yeah. And then I'm like, holy moly, I need to, how do I prep for this? Where do I start? There's so much information in this world. So I start by information gathering first. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I try to listen to what the experts are saying Mm -hmm. about it. And then I just start talking to my own peers about it Mm -hmm. Um, and my colleagues and and my friends Mm -hmm. and everyone to get their take on it because I kind of want to bridge that gap between all the sound bites that people are getting from the Gary V's of the world Mm -hmm. and then also like how are we actually executing that in the real world and what are people really feeling about AI, automation, like all those things, right? Um, So I I do say yes first, but then I I do a major deep dive into Mm -hmm. just what's what what is this topic what are people feeling about it mm-hmm. what's in the news um i like uh i think my mentors are very helpful yeah um so they lend a very unbiased opinion um on what they think about certain topics and certain projects and they already know you know how they already know that i'm go- going to go through with the project anyway so yeah. they never try to talk <laughs> me out of it but it's always nice to bounce those ideas yeah. off of people that you trust right Going into mentorship, because I think that's another big yeah. topic. Um, I feel like it's really hard to find a really good mentor unless mm-hmm. it happens super organically. Mm-hmm. And so I'd love to learn a little bit more about your mentorship journey, how that uh, like came about for you and what has been most helpful for you beyond just like having someone mm-hmm. to talk to about whether or not you should take on the projects you already take on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's fair. Um, I think mentorship has served me well when I have gone into that conversation <clears throat> without my own agenda. Mm-hmm. So it's less about like, how, hey, mentor, how can you help me? Or I have this question, can you help me? I have this problem, can you solve it for me? Mm-hmm. It's less about that and more about, um, I guess, like both people brainstorming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've definitely had people, 
advise me or mentors advise me on my career, but I, I you know, leaning on them like, hey, you know me really well. We've worked together. Mm-hmm. How do you, th- do you think this is a good fit for me? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but going into that conversation with less of a, hey, can you help me? But more of a, hey, this is my situation. This is what I'm thinking. So at least you give them a place to mm-hmm. start rather than really just like leaning on them to solve a problem for yeah. you. Um, and then they, that mentor, instead of like that mentor mentee becomes, um, you start tre- treating them like a peer and they start mm-hmm. doing the same, yeah. uh, which is I think a different tone. Um, and a lot, some of my mentors started as my managers. Okay. And then at that point, the relationship is a little different where yeah. it's like your manager is keeping, you know, tabs on your performance and all yeah. those things. But after they've left the company, we've just gotten way closer because mm-hmm. of that more kind of transparent relationship. Yeah. Um, I think going to networking events, yeah. talking to speakers, sticking around towards mm-hmm. the end, talking to people who were, you know, who were the experts there. Um, again, talking to them about like, hey, thank you for, you know, for telling your story and like mm-hmm. doing, you know, for sharing that. Um, let's keep in touch, but like not going in with like an agenda, like, hey, can you help yeah. me do X, Y, Z? Yeah. yeah, it is a two-way street. Like it, like yeah. any relationship, exactly. you have to be willing to to give as well as receive. Yeah, um, that's great. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking, I was actually going to ask you how you got into the mentorship with people in your yeah. circle. Managers seems Managers. like the. Yeah. The common one that you don't really think of, and maybe that's just because I've been at Greenhouse for four years and I've had the same manager, <laughs> manager. for three of them. <laughs> that's fair. You know, sometimes it's kind of like managers of managers. Yeah. But then when once you leave, then you can reach out to them and then you yeah. get coffee or whatever it is. Because like at that point, you're not stepping on anyone's toes. Right. Um, but I've never been afraid of, of reaching out because I know I have the most altruistic motives. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm reaching, I don't have course. any other agenda. That other than to just you know be in the presence of you yeah, know someone and you love people yeah and talking to people exactly yeah one of your skill sets <laughs> um, okay I think you talked about nonverbal soft skills mm-hmm. a bit mm-hmm. and how it's really important I feel like those are things that you just can't learn they're like inherent to you yeah um, but what are some things that someone could do to like if they're not good at that, how can they improve those those skills or be mi- more mindful? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, listening more, mm-hmm. I think you know, just like it's hard for people to do that. It's hard for me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> just listening yeah. more, um, going into a room and just really framing the conversation helps a lot. Um, I think. So this is going to sound a little silly, but I honestly think that improv classes can help with that. (laughs) Um, So one thing I didn't mention, I was a theater major in college. And so I did a lot of, you know, I took a lot of enunciation classes Mm. or like communication. I was also a communications major, so I took a lot of communications classes. I honestly think that those helped a lot. Yeah. Um, Especially when you're riffing off of someone, then you're forced to listen and you're forced to build off of what they just said. And so that really helped with the nonverbal mm-hmm. communication part of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's so many other things. Uh, yeah. Taking a step back, breathing during a conversation, which I haven't done <laughs> successfully. Um, taking a beat. Yeah. Uh, just taking a beat, knowing where, again, empathy, knowing where yeah. that person is coming from, what are their motivations, what are they trying to get from this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think, I mean, when, if we're talking about mindfulness, we can go down a whole different yeah. rabbit hole with that. But, um, but, but I really think it's like taking a step back and being present, being mindful, thoughtful, mm-hmm. um, and, and having empathy. Yeah. No, totally. I think that's a, a big piece of beauty and partnerships because mm-hmm. I feel like we're all on our own, like, uh, I won't say trajectory. I think we all have our own motivations mm-hmm. for what we need to get out of something. You can't have a successful partnership unless you are helping your partner with oh their own goals. Yeah. So having those skills are so important and, like, hearing their, their side. And yeah coming to a common ground. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, partnerships in general is changing. Like, the whole conversation is changing from, like, oh, client and vendor mm-hmm. to, like, let's find a win-win. Yeah. You know, and yeah. let's change that tone and let's change that narrative, yeah. um, which is which I'm really thrilled about because yeah. I really do think that that shift was necessary. Well, it's moving away from traditional ways of doing business, mm-hmm. like coming up with creative ways to structure the partnership yeah. and do things together, yeah. um, which is really fun and exciting because mm-hmm. there's so much more um, variables in the mix, yeah. and it keeps it exciting. Agreed. Um, I love it. Um, oh, going to resources, because you talked about your improv classes. Mm-hmm. I think what we're always looking for, especially in the BD and partnerships world, I remember when I first started doing partnerships and I was trying to see where my skill set kind of transferred over into other jobs because at that time it was very new and now I'm starting to see partnership jobs all over the place which is exciting but there was a time where there weren't so many resources and so I'm curious if you beyond improv if there are any other resources that have helped you be successful in your partnerships role um yeah you know I'm very lucky to be working at Shutterstock, and it's still kind of, it's a large company, but Mm -hmm. it's still Mm -hmm. tight-knit. So we have a really good relationship with, you know, our marketing and our events teams, and there's a lot of, like, um, there's a lot of events that Shutterstock throws for developers Mm -hmm. or for networking or women in uh, in Mm -hmm. tech and all those things that I love attending. Um, so just like putting, just putting yourself in those situations and then seeing what happens is, has been very good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, goes back to the whole like being social thing, you yeah. know. Um, but uh, there are some books that have been very helpful. Like Mickey Agarwal's Disrupt Her was, cool. was one that I really enjoyed because I grew up with the idea of like linear path to success. Mm-hmm. And I think like that's one of her disruptions in, in her book. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like seeing what entrepreneurs are doing, um, what what are they um, lobbying for? What are they endorsing? Mm-hmm. Uh, what events are they going to, and then showing up at those conferences and things like that? Um, all of that has been super helpful for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I know. I love the idea that uh, career paths should not be linear, and I talked about this last <laughs> night. I love that Charles Sandberg thinks of your career as a jungle gym and not oh, a ladder. Yeah. I think it's amazing. Um, That's awesome. It is. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. Great. Um, but I do. I think there's a lot of different skill sets that we should all be learning yeah. and that contribute to our success mm-hmm. in the career world beyond BD and partnerships. Like, mm-hmm. if this is just something that 
you do for the time being, like learning all the skill sets because it is, it's a jack of all trades role. Yeah. Um, and I think all of the skill sets that you've talked about tonight are really important for being successful in that role. So exciting stuff. Um, I think another thing that's really hard for people is being comfortable with ambiguity. Mm -hmm. I love the saying, um, you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear about a moment that was like really uncomfortable for you, or maybe it was a say yes moment that you maybe thought twice about yeah. in the moment or didn't really pan out for you mm -hmm. um, and how that like helped you propel forward. Yeah. So many, so many different scenarios and, and stories there. I think like the first one was I used to be a theater major um, and uh, I made a serious pivot to mm -hmm. just like the business side of, of things. And that was truly scary because I'd always thought that I would have a career in entertainment. Mm -hmm. And I was so prepared for it mentally mm -hmm. and I was training for it. You know, I was just like studying for it. That was a major shift. Um, in the beginning was super uncomfortable mm -hmm. just because, again, not the smartest one in the room. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm in, uh, in a boardroom in corporate America at NBC mm -hmm. Universal, and I just I felt like, oh, my God, do I belong here? Mm -hmm. But just, like, coming back the next day with the same level of enthusiasm mm -hmm. and just pivoting as needed, um, and, and that was key for my success then. Yeah. Um, the second was actually very recently – um, when I was asked to speak at a conference and I didn't realize that that conference was South by Southwest. <laughs> I had never spoken on a panel before and I obviously said yes first and then I was like, what? Um, and uh, so I was on the panel. I was also moderating the panel mm -hmm. and that was a very scary moment. Yeah. Um, just having been a theater major and like yeah. performed, this felt like I needed to speak about AI and, and uh, like artificial intelligence and machine learning. Yeah. And I'm not an expert in artificial intelligence and machine learning, but I do live and breathe it every single day. Yeah. And I needed to give myself that credit mm -hmm. and just have that confidence. I'm there for a reason. Um, but uh, it was just so bizarre because I'm like, how does a theater major end up at South by Southwest talking about AI and machine learning? But I had so much to say. Um, all my thoughts were taken so well by the audience. We got such right. good, uh, you know, reviews for the panel. Yeah. And then you're on a panel with, you know, companies like IBM and Look Listen, and it's like it builds on your credibility yeah. as well. Um, but it, it was super uncomfortable. I don't think I slept for two nights before <laughs> that. I was just very nervous. Yeah. Whereas my my peers and my counterparts on the panel were super comfortable because they've done it a thousand times. But um, seeing the effects of that and seeing how successful it was and seeing how we were able to help mm -hmm. startups and companies in the audience that were trying to implement that at an early age, that was the gratification. And yeah. I was just so happy to be a part of it. That's awesome. How did that, I mean, that's so exciting that you were able to do that and mm -hmm. kind of take that on with just grace. Um, mm -hmm. How did you prepare for that? I didn't sleep for two nights. Yeah. <laughs> Um, actually, so it was very similar. So once I figured, once I was told that I'll be speaking at South by Southwest, um, I started deep diving into AI mm -hmm. and automation. I, uh, what I knew was very specific to what I did at my job, um, and then I just wanted to expand out. So uh, went to a lot of talks, um, read a lot of you know trades about it, mm -hmm. um, podcasts. Yeah. Um, seeing what entrepreneurs are saying about it. Like, AI is such a big thing, but what are companies actually doing? Mm -hmm. Like, what's on people's roadmaps? 
um, did like a, a you know talked uh, in more panels about the same topic before going mm -hmm. to South by Southwest and just becoming comfortable talking about it. Mm -hmm. And so much of that, it was just so humbling. Yeah, because when you're talking on the stage with leaders like IBM who do this all day every day. Mm -hmm. um, the listening was really important. Mm -hmm. um, so moderating the panel actually worked out pretty well. But I, I, I had multiple sessions with my, uh, my, you know, counterparts for the panel um, separately and as well as together just to learn from them. Yeah. And I just, I don't understand when people have this ego about them, where it's like, oh, you know, I, I'll learn myself and I'll, I can do this by myself. Mm -hmm. Like, shed the ego, talk to experts learn from them, absorb from them, yeah. and that will help you be more confident, help you yeah. be an expert. Um, so for me, it's just shedding of the ego, talking to experts. Uh, yeah. and, and I feel like that is something that kind of ties back to this idea of imposter syndrome, which mm -hmm. you also talked about, mm -hmm. um, that I think we as women feel all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's really important to, to kind of just I think I'd love to get your take on like how we can overcome this because I, I do think a lot of women will say, fake it till you make it. Mm -hmm. And I think that there are better ways in which we can say, I don't know everything, mm -hmm. but I'm going to try and learn all that I can and absorb everything like you said. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd love to kind of hear if you have other like ways in which women can kind of move away from this idea that they're an imposter? I think it's, I thought it was really complicated, but it's actually so simple. Yeah. It's just telling yourself and convincing yourself that you're here because your opinion of whatever the topic is that mm -hmm. everyone's talking about, you're here because your opinion does matter mm -hmm. and makes a difference. Yeah. And it was, it was just a, it was a switch. Mm -hmm. It was going from like, should I speak up? Do I belong here? Should I raise my hand? Should mm -hmm. I say something? To like, well, I'm here for a reason. I'm spending an hour in this meeting. I'm sure they want to hear from me. If I stay quiet the whole time, it doesn't really bode well for me. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was, there was a switch that just went off and, um, and I was like, if I need to make this worth my while, I need to say something. Mm -hmm. It comes from like, you know, respecting your own time, respecting your own background, and respecting your own experience. Like a lot of it is self-respect yes. as well. Um, and and then knowing uh, that your opinion matters. Yeah. And whatever you wish to contribute, it will be taken well. Yeah. Because um, I think what we're scared of is like the what if I say something but it's not it's rejected or it's yeah. not applied or it's stupid or and then you just have to shed all of that yeah yeah I feel like you're a very positive person like you mm -hmm. put a positive spin mm -hmm. on everything and that you do have a lot of self-respect for mm -hmm. yourself um, which is amazing and like super admirable but to your point also like if you don't know everything then it's actually a leadership quality to admit yeah. that you don't know everything. Yeah. Like, sorry, don't know ex like what's what you're talking about, but would yeah. love to learn more. Here's what I think, knowing what I know. Yeah, exactly. No, I and I think that's so important to have that humility yeah. to say, I don't know it all. Yeah. But I'm willing to learn. Yes. Um, and I think that is uh, a really great quality to have. Yeah. Um. I feel like you had a really positive outlook when things didn't necessarily go your way in your mind, like your linear path to success. Mm -hmm. You 
uh, were laid off twice, but you knew that that was part of your journey. I feel like that is a really admirable way to look at being laid off because I know that if I was laid off twice, and knock on wood, I haven't been laid <laughs> off yet in my lifetime, um, it would really affect me. And I think mm -hmm. it really does affect people in a way that's really hard. And so what advice do you have for someone that you know, might be going through that or mm -hmm. um, you know, needs to kind of see the yeah. positive in that? It is so hard in that moment to remain positive. It's so hard in that moment to be like, oh yeah, it's not performance-based, it's the company cutting the fat mm -hmm. or whatever, it's not me, like it's fine. It's so hard to do that in the moment. So there was certainly like a day or two where I'm just like, wow, I can't believe that just happened to me mm -hmm. and woe is me and like, just, you know, yeah. feeling really uh, crappy about it. Yeah. Um, but I think I keep reverting back to when I reinvented myself when I came here and how well that worked out. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, if you get laid off, and you go to another company, nobody at that company knows what happened. Right. So here's your chance to, if like if you admired someone, um, whether it was your colleague or your manager or a mentor or whatever at your old job, you can literally handpick th those attributes, mm -hmm. build that into yourself, and take it into this new job, which yeah. is, I think, the main reason why I was able to stay positive is like, there were things about me that I didn't like. There was like, I didn't like how you know, uh, demure I was, or mm -hmm. I didn't like the fact that I was too shy to raise my hand, but I always wanted to, and yeah. I love my boss for doing that, but I wish I could. And then so going into this new, these new jobs, I mean, or, or getting laid off was an opportunity to do that. Mm -hmm. That's what kept it really exciting for yeah. me. But I was also a theater major, and I played multiple characters, so it was also <laughs> the excitement of like, okay, I'm going to play this character now. But like, yeah. thinking about it and like, I'm going to play a new character. Yeah. That was really fun, just giving yeah. a fun spin to it. Yeah, you've been able to reinvent yourself a couple of times. Yeah. But now you're in a job that you're like, this is the job for me. Yeah. Which is really cool, yeah. like that you feel so happy and passionate about what you're doing. So I'd love to learn more about what it is that makes this your, your dream job. Multiple things. I think... Um, First and foremost, it's the company. Mm -hmm. um, the company has given me a lot of um, leeway to build the team and and make it what I want it to be, mm -hmm. um, which is different from any other company that I've worked for. Um, I like the fact that our partnerships team is a is like our partnerships are anchored in a engineering solution. Mm -hmm. So I've been at companies where partnerships meant brand marketing partnerships or you know where you're like bartering of services types mm -hmm. partner uh, type of partnership but here it's it's um it was challenging because it was engineering it was mm -hmm. coding it was apis i'd never done that before um and the learning curve was long for me but what makes it fun is that after paying my dues I can truly call myself an expert at what I do. Mm -hmm. And there's a level of confidence that comes with that. It affects everything. It affected my personal life. It affected how I negotiated my rent. <laughs> like It affects um, just confidence that you take into like relationships. Mm -hmm. um, so so I, I think I the reason why I think that this is my dream job is because it shaped me in a way that made me a better person. Yeah. And I, I mean, I know a lot of people aren't fortunate um, to have yeah. something like that. So um, I, I also get to build something cool. So I remember leaving NBCU and talking to my mentor about like, I want to do something cool. And he's like, well, what do you want to do? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, 
I know this sounds ambiguous, but I want to be a part of a company that builds cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's very vague. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you need to get more specific. Yeah. But I feel like I'm at a company that's building really cool things. Yeah. Um, and so being a part of that and having an influence on that also makes it very fun for me. At the end of the day, I think everyone just wants to feel a sense of gratification that they made an impact. Yeah. And so that is what I feel here. I've made an impact in that I've grown the team from like two to four to 30. And I've made an impact as in, I've influenced the product roadmap. I've made a, an impact uh, as, uh, you know, to, to be able to help our partners grow their mm-hmm. own business and overcome challenges and solve business problems. So I think all of that leads to like, what impact are you making? Are you have, do you, do you feel a sense of gratification? Mm-hmm. And, and that was the biggest thing for me. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah. I think that's what we all aspire to. Yes. <laughs> um, so I, we've talked about this, uh, BD partnerships, this world is very ambiguous. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to hear about a recent project that you've worked on where you've been able to pull in some of these various skills that you have that make you successful and how that impacted the success of the project. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I think the, the most recent project that required this like cross-functional thing that BD is mm-hmm. um, was our recent partnership with Apple. Um, Apple was iterating on its uh, you know, uh, Final Cut Pro and coming out with Final Cut Pro X. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I've had a good relationship with them for the last year or two years mm-hmm. due to other things that we were partnering on, um, we were one of the first phone calls that they made and said, would you like to be a launch partner for this project? So that was validation that I have good, strong relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was step one. Then actually working on the partnership um, made me realize just there are so many moving parts to this. It took about three to four months to bring that entire project together, working across uh, a product, a developer in Germany mm-hmm. who was building this extension for Final Cut, the Shutterstock extension for Final Cut Pro X, and then working with the Apple team that is so on point with what they want and what they don't want. Uh, working with Apple's engineers, which just blew my mind because I can't imagine. Talk about imposter syndrome there. And I was just like, it was just fascinating to be in a room with them and hear their ideas. Then coming back and relaying that, that to your marketing and your press team, and then mm-hmm. telling them like, hey, this is PR worthy. What do we do there? And like, um, I think I think in a nutshell, it was the relationship, the existing relationship that we had built that started the conversation, and it was the soft skills for internal negotiations where there's there's a ton of like you think that BD is all client facing it's not it's like a lot of building allies internally Mm -hmm. rounding up the troops gaining the trust of people in your own organization there was a lot of that with this Mm -hmm. Um, and then also of course the client facing part of it like being in a room where you're not the smartest person but also you know gaining their trust so you can share your ideas and then they implement it you know um, it was just such a fun project, but I think it just uh, required all of my BD skills, mm-hmm. um, you know, including like relationship management, knowing the product, understanding like when the, when the engineers are talking and the marketing folks are like, what's going on? I don't get mm-hmm. it. To be able to translate that back and forth in a way that it's digestible for different people across the company. Also, like when we're talking internally and rounding up the troops and getting all these teams on, on board with this mm-hmm. idea. Um, you play into what their motivations are. You just, you just don't take the same value prop 
to each one of those teams. You understand what their motivations are, you understand what they care about, and you pitch it in a different way. Mm -hmm. So it felt like we were managing like six different projects in this one project because each team cared about different things. And then our design, a design team that was building the collateral for it had to do so much work to just get this off the ground that we really needed to think about positioning and and messaging and all of those mm-hmm. things and there were so many hours spent there so it was really like taking this this partnership that started with this tiny little idea and then bringing it full circle from product to internal mm-hmm. to finance to marketing to design to everything and then culminating in this awesome launch that we had back in November um, was was probably the project that incorporated all the principles yeah. of BD. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, it is such a collaborative mm-hmm. role. Yeah. Like, you really do have to pull in resources. Yeah. You have to really validate yourself as, as a team, as an individual, yeah. to move those huge initiatives mm-hmm. forward. That's a perfect example. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, that was that was very interesting. Lots of learnings. Again, like... We said yes first, and then we figured it out later. Yeah, yeah you j- learn as you go. Learn as you go, exactly. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you would share about your career in BD or anything that would be helpful for anyone who's listening, who's starting in their career or figuring it out? I, I would just reiterate that it's uh, you just have to shed the idea that you can't make mistakes. Yeah. Um, that combined with being comfortable with change and pivoting as needed, those two things have been so key to my success. Mm-hmm. Being comfortable with change and also make mistakes. Uh, you asked me a question earlier where it's like, do you ever regret saying yes? And, and my answer is no. I just feel like each and every experience that I've signed up for has been a learning experience, mm-hmm. good or bad. Yeah. Um, so make mistakes. Uh, and and you know learn from other people's mistakes. Yeah. Be hungry for knowledge. Um, you know, put yourself in situation. Half the battle is just making your way to a networking event, mm-hmm. um, and it's and once you're there, it's just magic. It is, mm-hmm. it really is. Well, thank you for coming and thank telling you. your story. It's been wonderful. Thank you for having me. Yeah.